Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online church service where we can gather together from around the world and meet online here in the virtual internet house of the Lord. And you know what? The Lord will bless you right where you're at, whether you're in America, whether you're at the North Pole or South Pole or a different continent. The Holy Spirit knows who will be here. And the Lord Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus said, I'm there in the midst of you. And so we have gathered together online to join together as a church family. And my friends, God knows exactly what your needs are. And I believe he's going to meet them and not only meet them, but meet them abundantly. Praise God. Before we jump into today's message, which is titled the mystery of midnight prayer, we want to receive the holy tithes and offerings and bring them into the storehouse of God. I have a verse for you today to bring blessing into your finances. So let me read that to you. This would be Mark chapter 11, verse 12. It says, now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. That's referring to Jesus and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. My friends, I know that can seem a little unusual for Jesus Christ to be talking to a tree, a fig tree of all things. But you have to understand how to deal with troubles and problems in life from the perspective that you're no longer in a kingdom of darkness, but you're now in a kingdom of light. And some things respond to prayer quite well, but other things, they don't respond to prayer that well. You have to respond to them differently one of those responses that works very, very well in situations of troubling problems like this is not praying to the fig tree or praying about the fig tree, but literally talking to it and speaking to it. Mark 11, verse 23, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, whether it's a fig tree or a mountain or a perplexing problem that does not seem to pass off of your scene. Mountains can appear to be very, very permanent. But Jesus said, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. My friends, it may seem strange to talk to your problems. It may seem strange to talk to debt, but you and I both know that money problems will talk to you. They're not silent. You can be sitting at your house, and if there are unpaid bills, if there are uh, debts that are accumulating and getting out of control, they have a voice. And what you need to do, since they speak to you, you need to take authority and you need to speak to them. Jesus did not say, pray to the Father about the mountain. Jesus said to say to the mountain. What am I supposed to say, Pastor Stephen? Be removed and be cast into the sea. Be removed out of my life. Praise God. That is your responsibility. Now, the Bible says in 
the book of Job, and you could stay right where you're at. I don't want you to leave Mark 11, but it says in the book of Job, chapter 22, verse 28, you, not God, not the angels, you will also declare a thing. Now, I know God makes declarations. I know God is still creating planets. God's still creating stars. He has never stopped speaking, and he has never stopped creating Hallelujah. But he said, you will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. Job 22 verse 28. My friends, there needs to be creative power released out of your being. How is that done? It's released out of your mouth for the power of life and death literally is in your tongue. Glory to God. So you need to speak and say to the mountain, you need to talk to bills and say, I command every bill to be paid. These bills are being paid and they're being paid on time or early. Glory to God. You need to command debt. You need to decree and declare debt. Get out of my life. You need to make good confessions over your own life and prophesy and decree over your life that I have good spending habits. I don't buy on emotion. I buy with the spirit of the Holy, the Holy Spirit governing me through the fruit of self-control. And I make wise purchases. I look for good deals and bargains and discounts and opportune ripe moments to buy. Hallelujah. So you begin to declare and decree over your life, the financial world that you will like. And if you will do that, that apparent mountain will begin to corrode. It will begin to dissolve. It will begin to be removed and cast out of your life. How? By the words that you speak and that you say to it. Hallelujah. So you need to verbally blast debt and say, debt, you're going to be paid off. You are being paid off. You are being removed out of my life. It doesn't matter if the credit card is $200 or $200,000. If the debt is $3 million or $30, praise God. You need to attack these things. How? With the words of your mouth, not doubting in your heart. Well, Pastor Stephen, I really feel kind of weird talking to an inanimate object like, like financial debt. Well, first of all, it's not inanimate. If you believe it's inanimate, just sit back and don't do anything and see if there are inanimate debt collectors. See if there are invisible debt collectors that will show up. No, they're not invisible. They are real. They, they breathe and they live and they exist to get outstanding debts collected. My friends, you don't want to meet them as much as possible, except for leading them to Jesus. And it's easier to do it when all of your debts are paid. Hallelujah. Glory to God today. Praise the Lord. If Jesus can speak to a tree, you can speak to your mountain of debt. After all, stop and think about it. Your debts, in order for them to be solidified, they are recorded on deeds of paper. And so the debt is on paper. In a sense, it really is a paper debt. So where does paper come from? Oh, that's easy, Pastor Stephen. It comes from the office depot. Pastor Stephen, I'm smart. It comes from Staples. Praise God. That, you know, the office supply store. Well, you and I both know that they are still getting it from a wholesale warehouse somewhere. And the warehouse is getting it from a lumber factory that has milled it into paper. The origin of it being wood. Wood, of course, coming from 
trees. When you are speaking to your debt, it's really no different than Jesus speaking to the tree and cursing the tree. It withered and died. You could speak to your debts. You can speak to paper. It comes from the same source, and you could command the debt be removed out of your life, be cast into the sea, and it has to obey you. Praise God. And at the same time as you're growing in the wisdom of God, don't be unnecessarily going out and creating more mountains. That's the thing. God delivers you and he gives you wisdom so that you can walk in freedom and not get back into something that previously ensnared you. Praise God. The wisdom of God is flowing. The anointing to speak is there. Say this after me. I call all of my bills paid on time. I call all of my debts paid off for the glory of God so that I'm not shackled in debt but I'm free to serve the living God. Say this, I will not be a slave to the spirit of mammon, but my life belongs to the Lord, and by his principles, I govern my life and flourish spiritually, physically, mentally, and financially. Praise God. My friends, let us now bring the holy tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God. As you send them in, shout and say, I'm free from debt to God's glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456. The city is Mooresville. Our zip code 28. 117. Again, P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina, 28117. If you want to bring them in safe and secure online, please visit the ministry website of stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tides and Offerings, Sow and Reap. You can go there now and bring them into the storehouse of God. Now, the online system is a PayPal system, but it will accept many, many different debit and credit cards. So I think sometimes people think because it's uh, they don't have a PayPal card that it won't work. No, it, it will work for many different types of uh, credit cards that are out there. So you can bring you can bring the tithes and offerings in online, safe and secure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Praise God. So we give God praise for these modern conveniences. Father, bless your people. May they never know debt. May it be eradicated from their lives as they are declaring and decreeing a thing. I think that it's being established for them that even mortgages are being paid off supernaturally quick. Oh, God, we give you praise. Debts that would seem like Mount Everest are being moved. Father, we praise you in the name of Jesus Amen. Receive by faith. Praise God. By the way, did you know uh, in China, the Chinese government decided to build a city in a certain area, and in order to do that, they literally removed not a hill, but an entire mountain, blew it up, hauled it off, dug it out. I mean, it, it, it was wild, but it, it's been done, and uh, you know, that it even change the weather patterns because uh, normally with that big mountain there you know winds would hit that and it would affect people on the other side of the mountain that now there is no mountain and when your mountain of debt is gone it's going to change the weather pattern in your finances 
It's going to get a lot sunnier, and you're going to be a lot happier. Praise God. More freedom for you to serve the Lord. All right. Uh, Before we jump into today's message, let me make mention of our Israel tour. Look, 11 days of glory in the Holy Spirit. The dates, May 2018, the 20th through the 30th. 11 days of having a wonderful time together. My friends, to book the tour, call 1-800-929-4684. Come on, get get on the uh, registration. Get ready to go with me and Pastor Kelly. We're going to have a glorious time together. Look, this is just one example of one day together that we'll have. I want to read to you just one day. I'm just grabbing one day out of a very loaded itinerary. Listen to this. We will set sail across the Sea of Galilee. Oh, yes, you're not just going to look at it. You're going to go out on the Sea of Galilee on a boat with us. It's going to be wonderful. And you can share in a time of worship on the water. We're going to worship the Lord together. You can drive along the shores of the Sea of Galilee in the most wonderful air-conditioned bus. It will go to the north side of the lake. You will be able to enter the 2,000-year-old remains of Capernaum, as mentioned in Luke chapter 4, and stand in what is left of the synagogue where the Lord Jesus Christ himself preached. Overlooking the Sea of Galilee is the peaceful Mount of the attitudes. Woo! Glory, glory, my friends. If you just went and did nothing else but the sight of the Mount of the Attitudes, you would be so happy and so thrilled and so blessed. But this is just one small part of one day out of 11 days together. Overlooking the Sea of Galilee is the peaceful Mount of Beatitudes where Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. Stop at Tabga, where the feeding of the 5,000 is remembered at the Church of the Loaves and Fish. Enjoy a St. Peter's fish lunch. Eat the same kind of fish they say that Peter did. There's another option also besides fish if you want something different. And then journey up to the Golan Heights and Mount Bintal, where Syrian and Israeli forces once fought on what is now a peaceful border. In the Golan Heights, one of the most beautiful places in Israel will go up high. The temperature changes. Everything gets so cool. Ooh, and one of the most wonderful coffee shops with incredible cappuccinos and lattes up there that we always go to while we're, we're there. You can look over across the border and see into Syria. You can even see the old Damascus Road. Wow, the same road where Paul was blinded by the bright light when the Lord came down to visit him and he fell off the horse and he had that epic conversion experience. Oh my goodness, that is just one small portion of one day. Absolutely tremendous. Every day is going to be fantastic. You will see the best of Israel. Look, this entire brochure You can go to our ministry website right now, click on the link where it says Israel Tour. You can download the whole brochure. You can look at it right now. Praise God. So I want you to join my wife and I in Israel. It really is something that, like when you go on the Internet, you can bookmark a favorite. This will be bookmarked as a favorite of your life experiences. Praise God forever. Okay, so avail yourself to all of that information and come with us to the land of Israel. Praise the Lord. Let us go today to Psalm 119, verse 62, and discuss 
the fascinating subject of the mystery of midnight prayer. I have to be honest. I have been having so much fun with this content subject material that I just had to come back and share it with you. It's been it's been almost a year, or maybe like nine months since I last taught an outline of this message, but I have just been so blessed by the study of it and the practice of it that I've got to share it with you again. I really want you to taste the goodness of what God will do when you discover the mystery of midnight prayer. Okay? So, Heavenly Father, let your Holy Spirit come now, bringing wisdom, revelation, insight into your word. Let your word come alive and be nourishment to our spirit, soul, and body. We thank you in Jesus' name. Around the world, we shout and say, Amen. Psalm 119, verse 62. At midnight, I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. Now, let me share something that will give you a little, uh, a, how can I say, a platform of understanding that a lot of people don't understand when they see a lot of the prayers at night that take place in the Bible. This will help you to grasp it easier, and I think you can pull some things out of this and apply it to your life in whatever way is most comfortable. You have to understand that for thousands of years, mankind has slept in what scientists now know as two distinct and two very separate sleep cycles. In other words, for thousands of years, whenever it got dark outside, guess what people did for thousands of years? Guess what they did? You're exactly right. They went to sleep. And if, if the sun went down and it's dark and it's 7 o'clock, that's when people went to sleep because you can't see anything. There's no smartphones with a, you know, uh, you know, a very bright light. There's no flashlights. There's nothing like that. So when it got dark outside, even if it's 6 o'clock p.m., people went to sleep. And they would sleep in two sleep cycles. They would go to bed at either 6 or 7 and then they would wake back up around the hour of midnight. Now, look, if you went to bed at seven, you've already got five hours of sleep. And there was like a natural rhythm where they would wake up around midnight. And then many of these people that belong to the Lord, the Jewish people, they would stay up and pray maybe an hour, maybe from 12 to one, some because they felt fresh would pray longer from 12 to 2. Many of the rabbis, it's recorded in Jewish history, would stay up any uh, even longer, some going from 12 to 3, some even going longer than that once the, uh, the wonderful liquid of coffee was known as them, uh, what was discovered by them, and they discovered that from the Arabs, praise the Lord. So uh, some would go from 12 to 1, others 12 to 2, but the thing was two sleep cycles, sleep from 7 to 12, wake up, you're alert, it's in, it's in the middle of the night, it's midnight, but you're still kind of alert because you had such a good long stretch of sleep, so you'd stay up for a little while, and uh, many of them would pray, God's people would pray, and then when they began to get tired, go back to sleep. So if you prayed from 12 to 1, or 12 to 2, you had two hours of alertness, now you go from 2 to 6, or whenever the sun comes up, grab four more hours of sleep. So really, when you look at it, 
although they are getting a tremendous chunk of prayer in during the middle of the night, they are still grabbing eight or even nine hours of very productive sleep. That way that their bodies can be recharged and refreshed in the morning. Now, you and I also understand that all of this changed only recently, about 120 years ago, as electricity and the various outreaches of electricity began to bring lights into our life, running now all hours of the day and night. Nevertheless, even in our modern age and modern society, this still gives you a unique opportunity to discover new areas, new places, and new dimensions to pray and in prayer. So any opportunity to pray more is a good opportunity. So I think that for some of you, midnight prayer, when you experiment with it, I really think that some of you are really going to like it. And you'll found, you'll find out that, hey, you know what? This really kind of works well for me. I Even if you think it might not, just try it. I think you might really be surprised that this can be something that allows you to have maybe even the most productive prayer time out of your 24 hours. Praise the Lord. So midnight prayer can be a new weapon, an absolute new weapon in your prayer arsenal. You don't have to pray from 12 to 1 if you don't want to. Maybe you just want to pray for 20 minutes. I mean, it's 20 minutes that you would not have prayed, so 20 minutes uh, plus or 20 minutes gained from nothing, you know, is really good. Maybe you want to go longer. Maybe maybe you feel okay and you go 40 minutes. I mean, stop and think about it. That's 40 minutes that you had not prayed before. Maybe you even want to go an hour. But just experiment with it. Have fun finding out what works best for you and what is comfortable for you, and I think I think that you can probably say, hey, this is really cool. Even if it's 20 minutes, you can squeeze it in, go back to sleep, wake up in the morning, and you have tapped into something that previously perhaps you would not have experienced. One more time, Psalm 119, verse 62. At midnight, I will rise to give thanks to you. Maybe you want to just wake up in the middle of the night and say, Father God, I thank you that you saved me through the shed blood of Christ, and I received him as my Savior. I thank you, Father, for Jesus, who died on the cross for me. Jesus, thank you for your Holy Spirit, who now lives on the inside of me. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my marriage. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my friendships, my relationships. Thank you for my work, and just begin to do what David did. Rise and give thanks. I mean, if you want to move into petitions and requests, supplications, that's okay, too. But if you just did this and just did nothing but thank the Lord. Wow. Wow. Don't you know that that would grab God's attention? Even if you just did it for five minutes. Woo. Hallelujah. Okay. So I think it's interesting that the Benedictine monks, I was talking to one just a couple of weeks ago, the Benedictine monks pray every night from midnight to one o'clock in the morning. So for some of the young men within the Catholic church that feel the call of God and they want to go into a monastic order to be raised up and be taught the things of God, many of them, of course, going on to become a priest, they have to decide which monastic order that they would like to join. Maybe it's the Franciscans, maybe the Dominicans, 
Maybe the Carmelites, I like the Carmelites a whole lot. Maybe they want to join the Jesuits, the Jesus Society, or the Passionists. You know, there's a lot of really good choices. But the thing is, if they want to join the Benedictines and become a Benedictine monk, then they have to realize that if they go in that religious order, it means you'll be praying from 12 midnight to one o'clock every morning. And that's, that's a per, that can be pretty tough for some people, but others, others just like it. They love it. And they're like, yeah, this is cool. So it's fascinating for the last 1,500 years, every night for, uh, from 12 to one, midnight to one, the Benedictine monks all around the world have been praying. You know, I was, I was just thinking about that. What if you prayed every night from midnight to one o'clock in the morning, and then God established a legacy in your life that would extend out over a thousand years? Woo! Well, Pastor Stephen, we don't have time. Jesus is coming back. He is coming back, and, and we don't know exactly when he's going to come back, but what what if it just even extended beyond what we call the millennium? which is a thousand year reign of Christ. What if you touch something sacred and you begin to pray at midnight from midnight to one and God said, I'm going to bless you just like I blessed the monastic order of the Benedictines. And I'm going to put a touch on you and your family lineage, even your spiritual lineage that will run for over a thousand years. Mm, Just something just something for you to chew on while you are thinking about all of the good things of the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So at midnight, darkness, of course, is referring to the absence of light. Night begins at sunset, and it is considered unsuitable for labor, unless, of course, you're laboring with some electrical light so that you can see what you're doing, and you can protect yourself and still stay safe. But many of you have been in situations where you've had to walk at night or do something at night where there was insufficient light, and it is so easy to trip. It is so easy to fall. It is so uh, easy to lose your orientation. Why? There's not enough light. You, You can't see properly. Praise God. John chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day the night is coming when no when no one can work hallelujah praise god so night is set apart for god for rest but you have to understand that even as we're resting there's a lot going on out there in the dark hallelujah many animals are nocturnal Have you ever noticed that a lot of the animals that hunt for prey, they are nocturnal? You know, think about lions and stuff like that. And, you know, it was, it wasn't, uh, you know, only maybe like 30 years ago when National Geographic discovered that, hey, lions are are up most of the night. No wonder they're sleeping all the day. You know, I, I guess people thought, you know, 40 years ago that lions are just lazy, that they just lay around all day and then sleep all night. Well, 
you know, they begin to get infrared goggles and stuff like that, and it shocked the uh, the animal society that those that were studying these animals they realized, well, hey, they're up hunting all night long and eating all throughout the night, so that's why they're sleeping during the day. Praise God. So this is why the shepherds who would guard their sheep back in the biblical days, they knew that nighttime was a time that they had to really be on alert from animals that hunt and also from thieves who would try to do harm and danger by attacking in the night. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. At night, you got to be sharp. Why? That, that's when a lot of these nocturnal predators are on the move. And if you're a shepherd and you're asleep, you'll wake up in the morning and you'll find out there's three sheep missing. Got to stay awake. Got to stay awake all night long. Now, look, you don't have to stay awake all night long, but how about 20 minutes? What about getting up at midnight and maybe going for 40 minutes? If you feel good, praise God, just experiment. See what happens. Go a little longer. And then when you're done, go back to sleep and you can wake up, uh, you know, to get ready for work. Praise God. And that way you've already got momentum and much more, which we will talk about. Praise the Lord. See, deep darkness, once again, it makes it difficult to see. It can be disorientating, especially in a storm or when there's heavy rain. Like if you're trying to drive your vehicle, even with your lights on bright, I mean, that rain starts coming down. It's bad enough in the day. At night, it's, it's hard to even tell where's north, south, east, west. All of that stuff goes out of the window. This is why at nighttime, most people just go to sleep at night, and they stay safe in their home from all of the potential dangers that are outside when it's dark. At night is when all that is wicked and unworthy of light chooses to come out upon the earth and engage in evil practices. It is in darkness that satanic activities prefer. They prefer to operate when it's dark. Praise God. You can think about things like these discos, nightclubs, bars. I mean, are, are nightclubs really hopping at 11 o'clock in the morning? I mean, you might have a few people, but no, not these things engage right around nine o'clock when it starts getting dark. That's when they start going full speed ahead. That's when they prefer to operate all satanic activity preferably does. Prostitution houses, uh, areas where drug deals and illegal narcotics are sold. Criminal activities such as burglaries, theft, murders, occult activities such as witchcraft, uh, seances, witches' covens. Iniquity primarily flourishes in the dark. It likes to have a veil over it so that the evilness of it cannot be as easily understood. It's easier just to get people underneath the veil, and that way these things can happen, much of it even being illegal, and it prefers the cover of darkness. When you pray at night, when you pray at midnight, you could stop evil spirits 
from bringing nightmares. Please listen. What I'm teaching is very, very important. You can stop evil spirits from bringing nightmares, sexual dreams, and spirits that attack you even through astral travel. Okay. So if you've suffered from tormenting nightmares, where uh, you have these awful dreams of being chased, of being pursued, horrible things being done to you, such as mutilation, all, all kinds of horrible images that these demons tried to bring while you're asleep. Wake up and shut it down. Hallelujah. Even before they would even try, shut it down. Mm, wake up and pray. And I'll tell you what, that stuff will get absolutely severed. Mm, mm. Lord, we praise you today. See, the devil capitalizes on purpose on the weakness of men at night, attacking mankind even when he sleeps. I mean, he has no, he has no mercy. He has no pity. He tries to attack at the person's weakest moment. But when you pray at midnight, you clear the air of the various types of evil spirits. I have to do this often in hotels. My wife and I, we stay in hotels on regular basis, and I don't know what's going on above me, on the above floor, beneath me, on the floor beneath me, or to the left or to the right. So we, we always take time to pray because I don't like dealing with this junk or these horrible dreams. I don't like it. So we, we deal with it before they even try to bring it. Praise God. Shut it off before it can even be started up. You can do that in your own house. If your children are being tormented with nightmares, it's time It's time to get up. It's time to get up in the middle of the night at midnight and deal with these types of things. Many times you can even shut it off before it even starts. Don't even give the enemy an opportunity. Praise God. At midnight in the dark, you can put a stop to the evil works of darkness, such as witchcraft, familiar spirits, wandering spirits that would like to, you know, wander through hotel rooms, wander through your room, wander through your neighborhood, evil angels, water spirits, satanic agents, spirit wives, spirit husbands, occult powers, recruit recruitment agents for Satan, dream manipulators, diviners, shamans, spirits, all kinds of spirits at fear at work at night. This is what the Bible refers to Psalm 91 5. You shall not be afraid of the terror of the terror by night. There are night terror, uh, evil spirits that tried to bring uh, attacks of fear and, and try to get people to even have heart attacks in their sleep through such hideous and traumatic nightmares. Psalm 91 6, you shall not be afraid of the pestilence that walks, that walks and went in darkness. In darkness is when these things try to come. You shall not be afraid. You shall not be afraid. They're not going to even want to come around your house. They're not even should dare come into your into your home. Too much glory, too much prayer, too many powerful angels. They'll go torment somebody else. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody who doesn't understand the power of the blood of Christ and understand the armory, the heavy weaponry of midnight prayer. Praying at midnight is extremely strategic and effective in spiritual warfare. Praise God. I want you to understand 
that high levels of spiritual business, see, just like there's natural business that operates during the day, the signing of contracts, the passing back and forth of funds, uh, going to the bank, uh, getting things done at work, sending off emails, signing letters, all this, all of that, just as there is spiritual uh, excuse me, just as there's natural business, there is also high levels of spiritual business that are transacted. Hear me tonight, hear me this morning, that are transacted in the spirit realm between the hours of midnight and 3 a.m. Praise the Lord. Now, I know for many of you that are watching this program, it's Sunday morning, but I know that because there are people from around the world who will watch this show. Maybe you're watching right now and it's already 1130 at night and you just happen to be up and you're watching this on some internet streaming platform, whether it's YouTube or whatever it might be. And you know what? You're just thinking, wow, it's 1130. Hey, why not step into this? That's right. Whether it's morning or night, you can begin to get ready to go into this and just break the power of the enemy through midnight prayer and have deep encounters with the Lord. Hallelujah. But that area between 12 midnight and 3 a.m., there is heavy spiritual business transactions. There's, there's heavy kingdom activity going on during that time. Tremendous angelic activity. So if you have some spiritual business, that you need to take care of, this is a good time to get it done. You don't need to stay awake from 12 to 3. You can get a lot of this wrapped up sometimes in 20 minutes. But if you want to just enjoy more of the Lord's presence, of course, you can certainly go longer. This is why when you read your Bible, you will see many cases, many biblical cases of deliverance that happened right around the midnight hour and the, and the minutes following after midnight. Deliverance at midnight is more common than you may realize. These principles all are, they are all well laid out in Scripture. We've already touched on a few of them. Let's look a little bit further. Exodus chapter 11, verses 4 and 5. Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord about midnight. Now why would the Lord choose midnight. Oh, I'm telling you, there is, there is kingdom business being transacted at midnight by the Lord and his heavenly agents. Thus, uh, excuse me, then Moses said, thus says the Lord about midnight, I will go out into the midst of Egypt. See, that's when the Lord said, I'm going out at midnight and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. About midnight. Now, it was not exactly perhaps at that exact second. They didn't have smart watches and smartphones, and they didn't have, you know, watches that had the uh, illuminating type uh, paint on the dials where you could see what time it is at night. But even still, they all had a good understanding of when the different segments of time were. Uh, you could look up and just look at the stars at night on a clear night and understand pretty much right where you're at within a very close time frame. But so much takes place in the Bible at midnight. That's when the Lord likes to move and smite your enemies. 
Hallelujah. Exodus 12, 29. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of livestock. Well, that tells us, my friends, that God is awake at midnight, even if you and I are not. Woo, hallelujah. And the Lord, he doesn't need to have some coffee to keep him up or keep him awake. He doesn't need any caffeine. He's always up at midnight. If you want to meet him there tonight, he'd be happy to meet you there. He is available, my friends, to deliver you from any trial, tribulation, distress, or trouble that you might be going through. He's, he's able and happy to meet you at the midnight hour, an hour of mighty deliverance for those who pray. Judges chapter 16, verse 3. And Samson lay low till midnight. Ooh, think about that. On purpose, Samson premeditating what he's going to do. Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight. Why did the Holy Spirit move upon him at midnight? Why not 1030? The Holy Spirit moved on him, came on him in tremendous power when at midnight he took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gate post. Samson pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, shoulders representing authority and government, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Perhaps you also may want to experience and step into this midnight deliverance anointing, and maybe you want to try it by just experimenting by laying low until midnight. Just relax. Take a little nap. Maybe take a two-hour nap. Read your Bible some. Okay? Get prepped for it. Get ready. And then wake up at midnight and attack the gates of the enemy. The, hate, the same Holy Spirit that came on Samson can also come upon you at midnight to possess the gates of the enemy. Praise God. I'm telling you, God can give you ideas. God can give you instructions. God can flood your heart with wisdom. And the next thing you know, because of that wisdom and knowledge, you're able to possess and move forward and take what once looked impenetrable. Praise God. Midnight is also the good time for those who are single and seeking a godly spouse to get a breakthrough and to get an answer from God where God releases that divine connection between you and that person that can be your spouse. Ruth chapter 3 verse 8. Now it happened at midnight that the man, that man of course would be Boaz, was startled and turned himself and there a woman, that would be Ruth, was lying at his feet. Ruth discovered a husband at midnight. Are you single and desiring to get married? Praise the Lord. Then you need to stand up, arise at midnight, and go before the Lord 
and seek the Lord to grant unto you the godly, spirit-filled spouse that is supposed to stand by your side. Praise God. You can get a spouse secured at midnight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I'm not talking about getting on the internet. I'm not talking about going to a dating site. I'm talking about going to a prayer site. Hallelujah. I'm not saying these other options are wrong. I'm just saying, I'm just saying if you pray, God will release his best into your life. And he's able to do it even at midnight. Acts chapter 16, let's go back to verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Prayer and praise mixed together like nitroglycerin put together. Prayer and praise at midnight released Paul and Silas miraculously from prison. Prison doors and chains of bondage can be fully removed at midnight. I want, I want to tell you, God can absolutely set you free from these strongholds. Praise God. You know, God even sent an earthquake and shook the place, but the earthquake did not damage the structure or fall and collapse and kill the prisoners. God is very specific. God is very strategic in his ability to extract you out of the bondage that you might be in right now. While others, while others who would doubt his power, while others who would not call upon him, they can still stay there stuck. But you know what? As you seek the Lord, the Lord, his mighty power cannot only set you free, but that anointing can be even touch others. And they begin to ride your coattails and come out with you because you prayed and praised during the midnight hour. Hallelujah. What if you did that? What if you woke up at midnight and for 20 minutes, you just got up out of bed and you sat on the couch or in the sofa and you said, God, I worship you. God, I praise you and I worship you. Lord, I got up for 20 minutes just to say how much I love you, just to say how mighty you are, just to say how good you are. And you know what? After you're done, go back to sleep. You can go back to sleep. Hallelujah. But I tell you what, what moments of glory, what moments of holy ground experiences, what moments of sacredness. Hallelujah. When you rise to pray and praise at midnight, mm, 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 mm. strategic deliverance can be yours. The worst prisons, I believe, are prisons in which God's own people are bound to certain types of sin. But yet God can come in the midnight hour as you worship him and cry out to him and as you pray to him, and God can shatter what has previously held you captive for decades, and he can break it at midnight in a moment's time. Praise God. Job chapter 34. Ooh, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Pastor Stephen, I'll, I'll see you at midnight. Okay, praise God. It's, it's, that's your hour. That can be your finest hour. Just you and the Lord. Mm-hmm. Praise God. And other believers around the world, 
even in many different time zones, seeking God. There's always somebody praying at midnight. Always somebody praying at midnight. Join the ranks of those who have unusual testimonies. Join the ranks of those who have mighty miracle testimonies of what God has done for them through the midnight hour prayer. Praise God. Job 34, verse 20. I'm going to read this one to you from the Amplified Bible. It says, in a moment they die, even at midnight, the people are shaken and pass away, and the powerful are taken away without a human hand. See, the stronghold of the enemy will be broken against you at midnight. The hand of God will deal with all agents that work against you through satanic operation. God can break it and deal with it in the midnight hour as you rise up and as you pray and as you praise and worship him. Hallelujah. I smell the fragrance of incense burning right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe your deliverance is much closer than you ever thought. I believe your deliverance, if I can say it this way, is even easier than what you thought. God doesn't need three years to deliver you. God, God doesn't even need three minutes. God can do it in three seconds. One touch, and you're out. Glory, glory. And look, when he delivers you, you know it. You know it. Hallelujah. Even sometimes when the natural circumstances have not even been impacted by it, you already know, hey, it's done. I got it. When did you get it? At midnight. And when God when God gives you that, that thumbs up, that divine endorsement, when God speaks that word, your faith explodes, I'm telling you what, it's game over for the enemy. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, the enemy will still be around. He'll still try to do stuff, but it's, it's shut off. It's broken. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew 25, verse 6. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out. Go out. Get out of bed. Go out to meet him. When is he coming? At midnight. Midnight is a time for divine visitation to meet the bridegroom. When the Lord can and very likely could choose to visit you in a vision or through his manifested presence, when he comes and draws near and shares wonderful things with you and encounters with you, you must be willing to go out to meet him, even if he calls for you at the midnight hour. Mm -mm. And I believe because we are a prophetic end time generation that this will become very, very common in the body of Christ for the Lord's people to seek him at this sacred time. Luke chapter 11, verse 5, And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. What an unusual time to make such an unusual request. You have to understand that midnight is suitable for forming 
the best way to make your request and even for making request. Praise God. You may even want to make your request at that hour. Hallelujah. Because the person that you're asking, it could be a different time zone and maybe they're already up and going, but yet this is the time to, this is the time to make that contact. Hallelujah. Glory, glory to God. Hallelujah. Midnight is also the best time to catch a thief while the thief is in the literal act. First Kings chapter three, verse 20. She got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side. This is the woman, the prostitute, giving her testimony to the king, King Solomon, saying, she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your servant was asleep. She laid him at her breast. She put her dead son in my arm. See, there was a demonic exchange that took place when? When she was asleep. When she was asleep is when she got ripped off. When she was asleep is when she got horribly shortchanged. See, it's in the middle of the night often when the devil tries to steal from you and rob what is actually yours. But it, at midnight is when God will switch it or stop it or even bring back what the enemy has stolen. See, around midnight can be the time when the enemy tries to switch your blessing and even replace it with some kind of cheap or worthless substitute, maybe even something that's dead, and preferably try to pull it over on you. You don't even know it. You don't even discover it till hours or days later, and you're left empty-handed while he has stolen what was rightfully yours. My friends, at midnight is the time for you to arise and pray and reverse and shut off satanic strategies against your life, and instead of you being stolen from, you are in a place now because of your prayers. You're well defended. You are secure. The moat of the Holy Spirit and angelic protection is all around the fortress of your castle. And your life is impenetrable. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I see not just individuals praying. I see entire prayer groups coming together and praying at midnight. I see church prayer groups and intercessory groups forming and people coming together to pray at midnight because it is such an effective time to pray. To God be all the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Kings chapter 6, verses 13 through 14. So the king said, go and see where he is. He is Elisha. Where's this prophet at? Who's getting this secret inside information about all of our military operations. Everything's been classified top secret, yet somehow he's still finding out. Go and see where he, Elisha, is. So I can send men to capture him. This is the king of Syria talking. Now, when he was told Elisha is in Dothan, he sent horses, chariots, and a massive army there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When does the enemy try to 
bring an attack against you? When are these strategic plans laid out? When is there counsel amongst the evil principalities and powers of darkness? When do they sit down and strategize against your life and then launch the initial, the initial preparatory attack is done at night. They went by night and surrounded the city. Don't you know? They just thought we've got him. Finally, we've nailed this guy. Mm -mm -mm. The enemy works at night to entrap you in the morning so that when you walk out, preferably you're walking out with no prayer time, preferably to the enemy. You're walking out clueless about what's about to befall you. Preferably to the enemy, you're walking out naive and you're about to step into a snare and to a calamity that in the eyes of the enemy, you will not be able to react. You will, it's going to catch you so off guard that you're, going to, you're not even going to know what to do. But my friends, they messed with the wrong person. Hallelujah. This was a prophet that walked with God day and night. This is a prophet that structured his, his sleep time around his prayer life. Mm, 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 mm. And the reverse is what took place. The solution was already provided. Elisha already knew what to do. No anxiety, no stress, no call in the 1-800 hotline. He already knew what to do. Prayed up, ready to go. The enemies already defeated. The plan's already worthless before it's even launched. Mm, thank you, Lord Jesus. May that be your testimony. May that be your experience. I'm smelling the holy incense right now. That is the secret place of prayer. No weapon. Hear me today. No weapon of the enemy will prosper against you ever again. There is no weapon of the enemy that can defeat the mighty weaponry that God has placed into your life. And when you pray, when you pray and a shield, an impenetrable shield is placed over your life. They can't get through. They cannot get through. Go to the place of prayer at midnight. Smell the incense burn in the midnight hour of prayer. Mm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're going to like it. I, I really think you're going to like it. Mm, mm, mm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Don't accept the enemy's nonsense in your life. Don't let the enemy do that stuff to you. Stop it. Block it. Cut it off before it even has an opportunity to get momentum or traction. Mm, mm, mm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You're too hot for the enemy. You're too hot. He can't handle it. Can't, can't handle it. You're too anointed. You're too slippery. You're too impenetrable by the power of the angels of God that are too vicious for the evil spirits to even try. They look at those guys and they're like, no, no, we do not want our spiritual heads severed from our spiritual bodies. We don't want to mess with that. Those guys are too mean. Mm -mm. Let's, let's try somewhere else. <laughs> glory, glory. And you feel the fire. You just, you feel it 
burn, burn, glory to God. And when you've accomplished your prayer time, go to bed, get the sleep that you need. I smell the holy incense. I smell the holy incense. Glory to God. Mm. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you praise. God watches over Israel day and night. God watches over the church day and night. The Lord never sleeps. Meet him at the midnight hour. Meet him and meet his victory. Glory to God. Meet Jehovah Savah the captain of the angelic armies, meet him at the midnight hour and watch what he will do for you to astound you with this mighty power of bringing victory into your life. Glory. Praise God. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse six, the apostle Paul to the church in Thessalonica. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. The word watch is code language that's very easy to decode, referring to prayer. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Change it up. Experiment with your sleep cycles. And watch and pray and be sober. That your life always be stabilized. That your life have divine order and blessing that the president be covered in prayer, that the destiny of the nation, of the nation in which you live, be fulfilled by the glory of God, that your nation be a sheep nation, not a goat nation, that your nation be a nation always stands with Israel and always aligns with the purposes of God. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. And the glory of God will always be over your life like a canopy covering you with the mighty presence of the Lord. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. So, you know, take a little nap. Try sleeping uh, before midnight. And then after you have accomplished your time of prayer, then go back to sleep and get some rest after midnight. Let your sleep cycles and the way in which you sleep, let it revolve around your prayer life. Don't let your prayer life revolve around your sleep. No. Put first things first. Praise God. God will make sure that a very wonderful structure of sleep comes. Look, you're going to sleep better than those that sleep on $5,000 mattresses. Because you pray. You pray even at midnight. Praise God. Now, what I've shared with you is a tremendous weapon that is so powerful that you, if you will take it and use it, you'll begin to experience dramatic victories in your life that will make others curious about how these things are unfolding. Lead them into this spiritual lifestyle of midnight prayer as well. Hallelujah. I'm just giving you options. You know that I also teach on the Nighthawk. I teach on praying at three o'clock. I teach on praying at, uh, I teach about praying before the sun comes up. But in essence, this really is all Nighthawk material because if it's dark outside, then that's when the Nighthawk flies. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm -mm. Something very, very powerful at midnight. 
I hear chains breaking in the spirit. I see addictions falling off. I see breakthroughs taking place. I see mountains being moved through powerful, the credit, uh, prophetic decrees that shatter, that shatter long-held strongholds of the enemy. Praise God. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. Finally, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the strategies, the wiles, the stratagems, the evil plots of the enemy. Hallelujah. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realms. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Use the armor and use the weapons that God has given to you. You must use them. Paul goes on to say in verses 18 and 19, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Paul even said being watchful, that's referring to prayer, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, praying for yourself and others as well. Paul said, and for me, Paul's requesting prayer. Don't you know that if Paul needed prayer, you do too, that I would request that you pray for me and my family as well. And you, you, you would pray for those that are in spiritual leadership and speak into your life. Praise God as well, that you would pray for your, uh, your president, your prime minister as well. Praise God. I mean, I'm just saying if, if the apostle Paul said, I need prayer. Hallelujah. We need to be praying for others as well. Paul even says, why? that utterance may be given to me. In other words, he might say the right thing, that I may open my mouth boldly. That he might not only say the right thing, but he say it in places where the enemy would want it to be diluted and would want the, the power of the gospel to be compromised. So Paul said, pray for me that I, that I always boldly speak the gospel. So he was requesting prayer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My friends, I believe that as you pray at midnight, you will be infused with divine power that you'll tap in into a dynamic flow of the spirit. And you're gonna have a tremendous time with the Lord. If you've never done it, try it out. That's all I'm suggesting. I'm just giving you options. I try to present a buffet table to you. You take what works for you, but sometimes you'll never know until you try it. Try it. See what happens. I think you'll really like it. Heavenly Father, I bless your people. Let them discover the mystery of midnight prayer. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take Holy Communion together today. Take the unleavened bread take the grape juice, and let's pray over it together. Father, we thank you. We bless it. We consecrate it. This is now the flesh and the blood 
of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the body of our Savior. We thank you for his word. He is the word of life. He's the bread of life. And as we receive his body, we receive his promises with faith, with faith. We thank you, Father, for your grace and inner determination that we are hearers and doers of the word. Oh, Father, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, we now receive the flesh of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that at midnight we can arise to pray and praise and give thanksgiving and worship. Father, we just thank you that because we're in the family of you, O oh God, that we have such wonderful, wonderful experiences to partake of with you. Father, we thank you for midnight prayer as we receive now the blood of Jesus. We thank you for gift for we thank you for forgiveness of all sins. We receive it. Cleansing of all sins. We thank you that our sins and iniquities you remember no more. We give you all the praise. We thank you, Father, for the holy blood of Jesus. Oh God, we just thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for our past behind us, a wonderful future, and a mighty present moment of time in which we're living. Father, thank you. Father, thank you. Let us not delay on living your word, but let us every day live life to the fullest. We thank you, Father God. We thank you for a determined prayer life. We bless you. We receive now the blood of Jesus and all of its life-giving benefits. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's drink. My friends, it's closer to midnight right now than it was before we started. Get ready. Lay low like Samson until midnight, and then arise with the anointing of the Spirit, and take the gates, and possess what God says rightfully belongs to you. I'll see you at midnight. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.